What have you anticipated in your life that was so great that you could not wait for it to arrive? On this particular day, these men undoubtedly had heard that the Messiah they were looking for that day when someone would come to restore David's kingdom and sit on his throne and renew that kingdom to its former glory and grandeur. The entire nation was waiting for that day. And these men, lowly as they were, were at work when suddenly everything that they had hoped for was being announced. Luke tells us this story. In Luke chapter 2, as he speaks about these shepherds who were in the field minding their own business, and if these shepherds were Jewish shepherds, they were men who were looking for this day to come. And it is announced to them that it has arrived. Everything that they had hoped for. This morning I want us to look at the message that the angel gives to these shepherds. This is a day, December 25th, on a Sunday, Christmas Day. Sometimes we don't know how to respond to Christmas Day. It's interesting as we look at the New Testament, what we don't see about Christmas Day. And it's a silence that we wrestle with. And yet it is a day that everyone, nearly everyone in our culture, will recognize and think about Jesus on this day. And so this opens a door for us to think about the message about Jesus. And why this was such a tremendous moment of hope for these men and for the entire nation of Israel. I want us this morning to think about what the angel says to these men and contemplate in depth what is the angel really saying to them as he prepares them for this message of peace on earth. What is that peace? And I want us to think about how we can take this same message to Benbrook in the communities surrounding Benbrook. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, please be turning to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to pick up in verse 8 here in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to go through the end of verse 15. Notice what the text says, Luke chapter 2, in this tremendous day of hope. It says, in that same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord stood around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. 
For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. As we look at this text, we find some things uh, about this passage that are interesting to us. Some things that inform us about these shepherds, and particularly the song that the multitude is singing. These men are men who know that Bethlehem is the city of David. These are shepherds who were looking for that idea or that Messiah, the Christ. In Greek, the Anointed One. In Hebrew, Messiah, the Anointed One. The Anointed One who is going to sit on David's throne. And the angel describes him as being the Savior of the world. These were things that meant something to these shepherds. These were probably Jewish shepherds, I suppose. Though the text does not say that they were. But they were things that meant something to these men. They were looking for this day. They had great hope and suddenly it was here. But as we look at the text and as we look specifically as the multitude sings, we see an interesting idea. The angels say that a Savior has been born. This is the good news. This is the great joy. But then the choir begins to sing in verse 14, that heavenly choir of praising God. And they sang in verse 14, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. And on earth. Praise or on earth. Peace among men. They note two different places. Two different levels of goodness, so to speak. On the one hand, they say, glory to God in the highest. Isn't it interesting that that language is used? Glory to God in the highest. It's implied here, the highest place. Some translations may add the highest heaven in italics. But it's the highest place. And the one who's sitting in that highest place is God. Glory to God in the highest. God in all His goodness. God in all His greatness. God in all His holiness. God in all His awesomeness. In the highest Glory to Him. His plan is coming around. The beginning of the end 
if you will, of his plan. For these men, they had heard about Isaiah. They had heard about Jeremiah, undoubtedly. They knew that the Old Testament spoke about this coming Messiah. God is making it happen. Glory to God. In the highest. In the highest place. But there was somewhere else. And that somewhere else was on earth. Not only is God glorified in heaven or in the highest place, but also on earth something was going to happen. And really that's where I want us to focus this morning. What was going to happen? The text says, and on earth. Something was going to happen in the place where you and I live. Something was going to happen in the place where these shepherds lived. Something was going to happen that was going to transform their lives. And the lives of others that they knew. And in fact, in the lives of those who would come after them, who would never know them. And that thing that was going to happen was that there was going to be peace among men. Now it's interesting that as we look at this text, Christmas songs begin to ring in our ears. Christmas songs uh, that perhaps speak only of the King James translation. We're used to the songs that repeat Luke chapter 2 verse 14 from the King Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And we have this idea of there being a general peace in the world. And yet every year from this day forward, from the day that these angels sang this song to the shepherds, there has never been peace. Right? There's always been wars. There's always been domestic violence. There's always been someone doing bad to someone else. What did these angels mean? Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. When we look at this text, and we begin to look at it in the Greek text especially, we begin to see that there is a different idea than what's sometimes portrayed in the songs that are popularized in our Christmas music. Literally what he's saying here, or what the angel is singing, the multitude is singing, is peace among men with whom, as the New American Standard says, God is pleased. He's not saying all men. He's not saying all over the earth. He's saying there is going to be peace among those to whom God gives His favor, to whom God gives uh, His blessing, uh, to whom uh, God is pleased. And the question is, well, who are those and how is their peace? There is an idea of being in Christ, being among those who are blessed in Christ. And that's where we find the peace. 
But it's a peace that's not necessarily a peace of the absence of war or the absence of conflict or the absence of bad things happening, but it's a different type of peace. When we look in the New Testament, we find at least three different ways that there is peace among men with whom God is pleased. I want us to think about that idea of peace for a moment. Perhaps this simplest type of peace comes as we look at what Paul writes to the church at Philippi, chapter 4. And he's writing to Christians. And he speaks to these Christians in Philippi and he says, Look, I know that you're going to have anxious moments. I know there are going to be problems in your life. I know there are going to be needs that you have. And Paul says, Look, church at Philippi, as you have these anxious moments, as you have these needs, I want you to lay those things before God. Notice what he says. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. He says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As Christians, we have the blessing of knowing that God is in control. And God is going to see us through. And we have those anxious moments, whether it's job loss, whether it's uh, sickness, whether it's uncertainty in our lives, whether it's something devastating that has happened to us. We can go to God in prayer. And the promise here is not that all of a sudden everything bad is going to go away in our lives. The promise is that the peace of God which goes beyond human comprehension is going to be there for us and that peace of God is going to guard our hearts and our minds. I may still have the crisis. I may still have the bad times. I may still have the anxious moments. I may still have the problems. But I know that God is going to get me through that and there's a certain amount of peace that comes with that faith, that acknowledgement And it's that peace that is guarding my heart and my mind so that I can get through it. So I can have the stability. And so in one sense, by being in Christ and having that faith, I have a certain amount of peace. But that's not the only way that we have peace. In Christ. And in God. When we look back at some of those messianic passages that we see in the Old Testament, there was a peace that was to exist among men in the kingdom that was to come. For instance, when we come over to Isaiah chapter 9, there's the great passage that talks about or gives us the illusion or the illustration, the imagery of a peaceful kingdom. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 4 says, For you, will, you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff of their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor, as at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning, fuel for the fire, 
For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom. The kingdom that was to come was to be a peaceful kingdom. A kingdom that would come not because of bloodshed, not because of war, not because one invading army would consume territory. But it was a kingdom that was going to come through peaceful means. And a covenant was going to be made that was going to be a covenant that was a peaceful covenant. As we pass Isaiah and we come to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 31, we see the relationship that would exist between the members of this kingdom as a new covenant was made. In this text, God speaks to Jeremiah the prophet and he speaks of a new covenant, a covenant that would be different from the covenant that God made with Israel and Judah. Jeremiah writes for us, Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 33. But this is the covenant I shall make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord God. I will put my law within them, and on their hearts I will write it. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each one his neighbor, each man his neighbor, and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. And I will forgive their iniquity and their sins. I will remember no more. God says there's going to come a time in which everyone that's under my covenant is going to know me. That was the covenant that God had with Israel and with Judah. Because someone could be born an Israelite. Someone could be born... Descended from the tribe of Judah. And merely having been born into that nationality, that ethnicity, that race, made them bound by the covenant. But that didn't make them know God. That didn't make them understand who God was. But God, speaking through Jeremiah, says there's a day coming when everyone that's under this covenant is there because they want to be. There's a day coming in which everyone that's under this covenant is going to know who I am. Everyone that's under this covenant is going to know what I have done for them. And I suppose there's a certain amount of peace there. Because I'm not making you follow this law. I'm not enforcing it through some sort of measure of enforcement. There's peace there. God's law is on our heart. We're following Him because we want to follow Him. And so this was a kingdom that was a peaceful kingdom, not brought by enforcement, not brought by war or bloodshed or the sword. It was a different type of kingdom. But there is another peace, and it is the greatest peace. It is the peace that is the most important peace that is brought to us through Christ. And it's a peace that we don't want to think about. 
because it tells us where we were headed without the peace. When we come over to Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, we find out that we are in a state of war with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1, Paul writes to the church at Rome, And he says there in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that our tribulation brings about perseverance. And then Paul goes on to one of his great sections or passages about building in faith and character. But we come back to verse 6. And he says, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps... For the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in, while, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall also be saved by His life. You see, the life, or the peace rather, that is among men on earth is a peace that exists because we had made ourselves enemies with God, and yet God, even though He's there in heaven in the highest place, had a plan before he even said, let there be light. And that plan was that he would send his son to be the sacrifice to cover our sins. That he would send his son to pay the penalty of death on our behalf. So that we could be brought back into a right relationship with God. so that there would be peace between us and God. So that we would not know God only from the standpoint of facing His wrath, but rather enjoying His grace. Paul says something almost exactly like this as we turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. And notice what Paul says to us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Speaking of Jesus, he says, For he himself is our peace, who made both groups, Jew and Gentile, into one, and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two and thus establishing peace. 
and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to the enmity. Jesus died on the cross. He destroyed the enmity. He destroyed the hatred that came through the law. He destroyed that mechanism that told us how we were wrong. For the express purpose of being able to present us, whether from Jewish ethnicity or some ethnicity, we could all as one stand before God and have God's grace and peace. When that multitude of angels presented themselves to the shepherds and began singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. They were declaring that this is the beginning of the fulfillment of God's plan. The child that is to be the Savior has been born. And God's plan is unfolding. And there is a real peace that is coming to the world. The peace of the Son that is going to take away our sins so that no longer are we at war with God. But rather, we can be back in a right relationship with Him. At this, the angels disappeared and the shepherds went to Bethlehem to see this great sign that the angels told them about. As the Benbrook Church of Christ, we have that same message that these angels were singing about. The fact that we are enemies with God until we enter into Christ. Because Christ is that Savior, that child that was born. And there are people that need to hear that message. There are people that need to hear they need to be in Christ. And that's what this church is all about. Being God's people who enjoy that blessing but also being those people who are willing to go out and share that message with others so that they too can be in Christ. Next week when we move to a new building, it's not simply because we want to be someplace else. It's not simply because the hotel said we're raising your rates. It's not simply because somebody said, I'm going to give you a killer deal on a place to lease. All those things are true. But we're new, moving to a new facility because we want to be in Benbrook and be effective in taking this message to the community. We now have opportunities to have a place where we can have Bible studies. We now have a place where we can get together and we can do things in the community. And we want to use that as a way to reach the community. But it requires us not simply waiting for the community to drive by and see the sign and decide to pull in. It's going to require that to be the center of our outgoing practices and behaviors 
and actions to reach the community. And I praise God that he's blessed us with that. And I pray that God will use us to be that center, to be that beacon of light that goes out so that people may come in. If you're here this morning and you have any needs for the prayers of the church or any other need, won't you come? As together we stand and sing.